Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our special guest speaker. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. I just want to um, welcome them this morning and welcome Diane to the stage to share with us now. Let's give her a warm welcome. Whoa. Well, good morning. It is such an honor to be here. This is a big Bible. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, As Neil said, we were blessed to have Lindsay with us for four years, and she is a creative genius, and we were sorry to lose her. But I want you to know, I think most of you already do, you have wonderful pastors here. You do. Neil and Deb are wonderful, wonderful people who love you deeply, Dennis and Marina, and now Wes. I haven't gotten to know Lily yet, but... This is such a tremendous gift that you have shepherds who care about you, who are leading and guiding you, and we were just thrilled uh, to come and had a wonderful time last night just sharing our hearts, and wow, I have such confidence because we were in a prayer meeting this morning with several of your intercessors, and The kingdom of God is coming (laughs) because the faithful intercession has touched the heart of God. So I'm very excited about what God is doing here. And I'm honored to speak. Uh, I won't be able to cover very much at all of what's in that chapter, but I will address uh, the topic of intimacy. And I hope when I finish today, you love Jesus more than ever. That's my prayer. So, Holy Spirit, do what you do best. Shine the light on him. Make him bigger and better and more beautiful to each of us. You know our needs. You know each of us individually. And you are such an amazing teacher, Holy Spirit. I welcome you here, these precious people who come to worship, to hear your word. Thank you. Thank you that you will reveal what each of us needs and Plant it deep in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I heard of a mom, uh, a story about a mom, uh, and she was invited to have dinner at uh, her son Brian's apartment. Now, Brian lived with a girl named Julie, but they weren't intimate with one another. And I don't know about in your town. We're from the University of Illinois and Urbana, and this happens all the time. Like, men and women are just living together but they don't really have a relationship of intimacy, okay? So anyway, mom comes to dinner, and right away, her mom meter goes up. You know what that is? We can detect chemistry in a moment, okay? I have four sons, and I, I knew when there was, hmm, there was a little more than just a platonic relationship, right? So mom notices this, and she says to Brian, Brian, are you sure there's not something more going on here with Julie? He goes, Mom, no. No, we're just good friends. That's it. We're not, there's nothing. She's, okay, okay. So they have dinner. She goes home. And about a week later, Julie says to Brian, you know, ever since your mom was here, I've been missing the silver gravy ladle. Like, you don't think she took it, do you? 
He's like, well, I don't think so, but I'll shoot her an email. Dear Mom, I'm not saying that you did take the silver gravy ladle when you were here. I'm not saying that you did not take the silver gravy ladle when you were here. But the fact of the matter is, it's been missing ever since you had dinner with us. Love, Brian. A day later, Mom writes back an email. Dear Brian, I'm not saying that you do sleep with Julie. I'm not saying that you do not sleep with Julie. But the fact of the matter is, if she were sleeping in her own bed, she would have found the silver gravy ladle by now. <laughs> I thought you could handle that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, a story about intimacy. <laughs> intimacy with humans is... On many levels, similar to God, but on many levels not. Of course, we're talking about being intimate with an invisible God. One we can't see, touch, smell, you know, hear. So the dynamics of that relationship are a little bit different from a human relationship. Not to mention he is triune. But what is so amazing is... He, as Neil pointed out last week, he's designed us for intimacy. That's been his intention from the beginning, as Adam and Eve walked and talked with him in the garden. And then, as you've been studying, and I've been enjoying many of your sermons, I love to listen to what's been preached here before I come. I want to honor what Neil and Dennis bring to you. But I have just been so blessed by how, once again, you've revisited, or maybe for the first time, totally grasped the glory of the cross and what that cross has accomplished so that God could move inside of us. I, I, I mean, that is mind-blowing, that the God of the universe calls us his house. Now, I've had live-in help before, and I don't always like it. Okay, <laughs> there is an adjustment, right, of learning to live in intimacy with God, with him inside of us. And I thought, again, Neil did a great job of introducing uh, intimacy last week with the important concept, you know, we can love someone and not necessarily be intimate with them. Why? Because as he illustrated with the inmates, I think they were both inmates, <laughs> that we don't trust them. In real intimacy, true intimacy can only happen when we trust the other person. And same with God. Because intimacy, by its very nature, involves closeness, you know, vulnerability, warmth, uh, I mean, incredible trust. You, you, you basically, you know, 100% expose yourself to that other person. And... So in our quest to have intimacy with the living God, it is critical that our trust in him continues to grow and to deepen. And if that happens, then that intimacy is vibrant and warm and precious. Now, it's important to know intimacy with God is not an end in itself, Okay, it's not all the feels and, oh, God, thank you for loving me so much. It is that. It, there, I, there better be feelings in intimacy, right? Yes, but it's not just an end in itself to have feelings. Intimacy with God is always unto fruitfulness. You know, that we begin to reflect 
the character of God, the love, the joy, the peace, the righteousness, right? That is the kingdom of God. The fruitfulness. So intimacy is unto fruitfulness, and it's unto friendship with the living God. Wow. And sometimes we can even forget that. You know, we get all concentrated on either the feels or the fruit, but ultimately it's about having friendship with the living God, which changes your life from the inside out. And so, you know, a very familiar text, I know it's been in some of your messages in the past, is John 15. I wish we could read the entire chapter. We can't, but for now, we'll just uh, project uh, from This is from the ESV, and I will be reading from that and also the Passion Translation. But this is John 15, 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, now say it with me, you can do nothing. Wow. <laughs> that means no thing. But we sure as heck try, right? And I, I've called this message in the chapter in my book, Intimacy, Not Imitation, because so much of the Christian life is imitating. Imitating what a denomination tells us, trying to imitate what the Bible says, imitating what someone else does. And all along, that has never been God's desire. His desire was to move inside of each of us using, partnering with your unique personality, your unique giftings, who he made you to be. And out of that, reflecting the glory of God himself. It's just, again, mind-blowing because we look at what religion has done, you know, and messing up what it means to actually be a believer in Jesus and what the power of the cross made possible. But I, wanted to, I won't digress there. But can do nothing. That has gripped me. That has gripped me for many, many years. If you go on in that text, you know, Jesus says very clearly, I've called you friends I've called you friends. He says, I, I, you didn't choose me. Did you know God chose you? God chose you. I was talking with, I think it was James this morning. I don't know where he's, he's seated, but he was telling me a little bit of his story, and I was just amazed again at how God chose James, you know, with he just started telling me about, like, I was in prison. You know, I, I, I can't believe, really, God fell on him, drew him, you know, saved him, has made him a brand new person. But each of us has a story. And did you know God is writing a good story in your life? Your friendship with God is unique. And so we can learn from other people. You can learn from me. You can learn from the book that I wrote. But ultimately... You will learn how to walk intimately with God. I'm going to share just three lessons that I've learned uh, today. But there are so many others. And again, each of our situations, our past, our personalities are also different. So uh, we definitely, we're going to look different. Our friendship with God is going to look differently. I love actually how the Passion Translation um, translates that, John 15, you know, he says so beautifully there, 
as you live in union with me, that oneness with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. I love that. That, you know, that river of rivers of living fruit flowing from us. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness as we live in union. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Now, in God's eyes, none of us are separated. Just settle that. You are in union with Christ. I don't care what you feel like, you know, or maybe what you thought you are in. When you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit joined you, and you are one with him. It was probably, oh, I think it was back in the 80s. Um, a, a woman came to speak, and oh, by the way, um, obviously, we believe in women preachers here, and as, as does Neil. And I had a sense, even in some conversations with some of you today, that, uh, and I want to pray this when we go to ministry times, there's some women here who need to be called up, some women here who need to be commissioned, because there's giftings here that I see the Lord wants to release, and maybe you have thought, well, I shouldn't do that, or I couldn't do that, not because Neil or Dennis said that, it's maybe what you were taught or maybe what you thought, but <clears throat> be that as it may. So we have this woman come to our church. Her name was Martha. She was from Georgia. And I don't really remember very much. I don't even know why we invited her. But she stood up and she said, what do you think is the secret to the Christian life? Well, this was in our very religious phase. So it was probably like the, I want to say the early 80s. Um, actually, before we even met the vineyard. And so um, she said, I want you to write it down. So we all wrote down on you know, a little piece of paper. And then she said, okay, let's share. And so different people like, what is the secret to the Christian life? Oh, it's definitely fasting regularly. Like, okay. Okay, yeah, thanks. And then someone else, no, no. Like they had just read Reese Howell's Intercessor. They'd read about revivals. It's all about prayer. You have to commit, you know, to praying three or four hours a day. Uh, even if you have four kids or five kids, you know, you pray. And then somebody else is like, no, it's about giving or it's about serving anyway. Knowing the Bible. And no, 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 no. And then she goes, the Bible tells us clearly what the secret to the Christian life is. We're like, oh, yeah, the Apostle Paul. He wrote right there in Colossians and he said, you know, this is the glorious secret that has been hidden but is now revealed, Christ in you. It's like, wow. I, it was one of those Holy Spirit uh, moments. Now, what you have to understand, that was in the 80s. It's now, we're now 2021. You know, I'm now 70 years old, and I want you to know I'm still learning what does that mean, and how do I live in the reality of it? But I'm going to share three lessons that have each time, like, you'll have seasons where you're just propelled, okay? Like, you'll kind of hum along for a while, things are kind of boring, or you, it's just not that great, and then all of a sudden, boom, like the Lord interjects with like a real season of growth and change, so... Um, I want to share some of that. I've been 
on a very, very long journey. <laughs> I don't want to discourage you with that. Okay? Because I just, I want to tell you that so that you, you're like, oh, okay, I can expect this. It's, it's going to take some time. You're on a journey. I'm still learning lots. I'm still making messes and mistakes and, and failing. <laughs> but we have an amazing, amazing Savior. And as I will share as we get along, I just can't resist right now. One of the most glorious things that's happened to me in the last 10 years uh, since about 2010, 2011, is suddenly I'm no longer so self-focused, trying to clean myself up, you know, get rid of my sin, you know, confess everything, repent over and over, as you saw in the video. I'm no, no, I'm not so sin-focused or self-focused. I'm Savior-focused. And when your eyes are on Jesus and what he has done and who he is and the reality of him living in you, that apart from him you can do nothing and learn how that works out in your life, <laughs> it changes everything. And you're a lot less exhausted. And you're a lot less frustrated. So, yes, I've been at this a long time. You know, failure can be a really good friend or a foe. You know, mistakes can be a wonderful mentor. Or they can make you feel messed up. You see, we live in such a performance-based culture. That's just America. And I so long today, if nothing else, it's already started here, so many good things are happening, that you make a decision, I am going to live entirely in the affection of God. When you live in the affection of God, then the performance becomes very secondary. I didn't say obedience isn't important, but the performance is never a big issue. So I'm not satisfied. <laughs> I still wake up every day, you know, can sing the songs that we sang today, wanting to go deeper, wanting to know him better. But I'm here to tell you, he loves you, loves you, loves you. And he's never leaving. Never. I don't care, again, how it feels. He's never leaving you. He's always going to love you. And so that, to me, then puts the ball in our court. I want to learn to live in the reality of that. What is it like to know that Jesus is with me 100% all the time through everything and that through it all, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Okay. Now, this is my main point, okay? And it is this. Real intimacy with God takes several things, and these are the things. They all start with T, so, you know, it's, it's memorable. Number one, it takes revelation of truth. That's why I'm so excited about what uh, Neil and Dennis have been preaching as they preach through those 18 sermons, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it takes revelation of truth. And then we can respond to that truth. We can respond to it with a fresh level and intention of trust or not. That's up to us. And that's not always easy. Sometimes that's really scary. Okay? And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. So we have truth, then trust. Then, again, let's just settle it. Even though we live in a microwave world, <laughs> you know, we want everything instantaneous. I get mad, too, when the website doesn't pop up immediately or whatever. No, it takes time. God's not in a hurry. 
And there are preachers sometimes who try to tell you, well, you better get it now, or do, oh, God's going to pass you by. Read the Bible. God's not in a hurry. He's not. He's not in a hurry. Okay, so just be settled. It's okay. It's going to take time. And then it's going to take tenacity. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that's kind of lacking in our culture. Uh, but a willingness to just be faithfully obedient and to look kind of foolish, which isn't real popular right now, as many, many are deconstructing their faith, you know, and just like, you know, blaming God. I won't, I won't digress there. But anyway, so a revelation of truth, an engagement of trust, time and tenacity, and the result is incredible intimacy where fruit is streaming from you and you have friendship with the living God. Okay, now the truth aspect there is super, super important because I don't know what your experience has been, but Happy and I have embraced some really bad theology. And I want you to know bad theology is a cruel taskmaster because it can lead you down paths thinking, oh my goodness, if I don't do this, God will be mad. You know, if, if I do that, he'll strike me, or he's punishing me. And it depends on how you were raised or, you know, what church you've been part of or not part of. But revelation of truth. And I'm so excited, again, how truth is just flowing here. <laughs> and, and the way you can always know, you don't need to be one bit afraid. If Jesus is getting bigger and he's getting better and he's getting more beautiful, you can know your pastors are not leading you astray. If you constantly leave here and you feel like a sluggard or like, oh, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be spiritual enough. I'll... Okay? Because the truth sets you free. Okay? The truth of who God is, what the cross is all about, the gospel of grace, it's all good. So I'm excited about the truth that's being taught from this pulpit. Really, really excited. So as I get into my three lessons... Um, I'll tell a little bit of my own story, and, and then I want to remind you, though, God's writing a good story in your life, and it's so much fun to share stories because it just raises the faith of all of us as we see how God has intersected. Yeah. Water. Whoa, water. Whoops. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So um, I know this church has Mennonite roots. Are, are any of you... Were you ever part of the Mennonite faith? Still? Nobody left? Oh, they're all gone. Well, um, Happy and I were both raised in a church uh, that was very similar to Mennonite called Apostolic Christian. And um, very, very similar. Hap always described it as Amish with cars, which was about true. But anyway, all that, all that did was pretty much seal the deal um, that we wanted nothing to do with church and nothing to do with God. So Happy and I met at the University of Illinois. He's three years older than I am, and we didn't actually know we were raised in the same faith. Um, but we began to date, and we made a deal as we fell in love, and that was we will never become Christians. And, I mean, that's how wounded we were. Like, yeah, won't go there. I won't digress because our time is going. So um, one thing Happy did promise me, he said, I will be a millionaire by age 30. And the guy is a financial whiz. 
Unfortunately, he's 73 and I'm still waiting, but that's okay. That's okay. As we try to tell our children, we're rich in many ways, right? <laughs> okay, so fine, we get married, and I can't help but say this, but uh, next month on August 29th, we will celebrate 50 years of mostly wedded bliss. Mostly. <laughs> I want to tell you, I've learned a lot about intimacy from being married for 50 years, but we won't go there. So um, anyway... One month into our marriage, uh, I taught special education, and a fellow teacher had given me a book called Christie by Catherine Marshall. I didn't actually know it was a um, Christian book at all, or I probably wouldn't have read it. It's a historical account of a woman who went to, to teach school in Appalachian Hills, and, and it tells the story of this awesome Quaker woman named Alice, and as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh my goodness, like, she actually knows Jesus. And sitting on that sofa at 405 North Matthews in Urbana, Illinois, tears began to stream down my face, and I said these words that have defined my life ever since that day in 1971. I said, I want to know Jesus. Now, that was the Holy Spirit. I'd never heard of the Holy Spirit, but now I know. And each of you can point to markers in your life where the Holy Spirit was breathing through you, something that has defined your life. And, of course, that word know, as many of you know, is a Jewish idiom for sexual intimacy. It's so much more than just, well, I want to know about Jesus. I want to know him. I want to know him. Little did I know at the time what that meant. Well, Hap went nuts when he found out that I wanted to know Jesus, but we got all that settled. <laughs> and I love, I love the scripture, very familiar from John 17, 3, that says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Whoa. You see, truth at its core is Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so while we, we learn a lot of theological truths and good Bible truths, at its core is the living word, Jesus Christ. And so when our focus is on him, what he has done, who he is, we can never go wrong and freedom comes and intimacy grows. So you know, Jesus said so clearly to Peter when he said to Peter, who do people say I am? He said, you know, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, yeah, and flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. You see, your intimacy with God, your walk with God, your life as a Christian is a revelation. It's a revelation. You can stuff your head full of all kinds of information, and that's okay. <laughs> that just results in imitation. You want to be transformed. And so you want revelation of who this Jesus is. And then, guess what? He does this really cool thing of showing you who you are. And, you know, religion tries to beat us up. Oh, I want to decrease, so he increase. Oh, no, no, no. He wants you to become fully, fully who he's designed for you to be, full of him. Okay? So much better than some little, you know, uh, false humility crawling around in, in the dirt. So, yes, the Holy Spirit was at work 
And, you know, the Holy Spirit's main passion says it really clearly. John 15, 26, he says, When the Helper comes, who I'll send to you from the Father, this is Jesus speaking, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And there's a lot of other texts. I'm going to skip the next one about, I'm so dependent on the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I wrote a whole book on Hello, Holy Spirit, God's gift of live-in help. Uh, I don't know how anybody lives the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. You know, we have a triune God, one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has been given to lead and guide us into all truth, particularly when you're on a journey of you're learning a lot of things, and, you know, maybe it's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that, or, oh, that sounds different from the way I was taught. You can be sure the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. And we do this as a family, which is what I love. No lone rangers, okay? So you do it here as a family, and then you're part of the bigger vineyard family, which brings a, you know, a sense of safety and security because there's a lot of weird stuff out there right now, okay, that you can access with the click of a mouse, <laughs> right? And so we need the Holy Spirit. Well, Holy Spirit, though, in my opinion, he's kind of been hijacked by a, a lot of Christianity now where people just talk about him, talk about him, but uh, people have never actually experienced him. <laughs> I mean, if we want to experience intimacy with God, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, that word baptized means like slap, you know, bap, baptized, you know. Uh, and... and uh, my whole experience uh, with that, Happy and I, you know, we gave our lives to Jesus. The Holy Spirit made us born again. But we went through a very, very difficult season of infertility. Lots of medical problems, could not have children, spent a lot of money, a lot of drugs, a lot of tests. This was now the late 70s. But no, no hope. But it was through an encounter when someone said to Hap, God's still doing miracles, that, whoa, we went, we heard about the Holy Spirit, and that you could be baptized in him, and we took a step. That was a very scary step. Of course, now we look back, that was a charismatic movement, right? Um, and we were just being swept up into what God was doing, but got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, of course, I love the gift of speaking in tongues, and if no one... If, if anyone here wants that gift, and maybe you've been prayed for or you haven't received it, I would love to pray for you. Why? Because I know how critical. I don't know how anybody raises children without the gift of tongues, okay? <laughs> Another story. But the interesting thing, after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it wasn't just that I spoke in tongues. It was the next morning when I opened the Bible, I went, oh, my goodness. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Holy Spirit shines the light on Jesus. And that was really important to me because my pastor told me healing had passed away. My pastor said there were no more miracles. And suddenly I'm like, oh no. If he healed one person back then, then I'm, I'm getting in line today. And so <laughs> what I love, again, that fresh revelation of Jesus the Holy Spirit is so good about revealing who Jesus is. And that was a marvelous journey that, you know, ended up, 
you know, our starting a Bible study that ended up being the church that we planted and also ended up with the glorious healing and a family of four sons, one daughter, now five spouses and 18 grandchildren. So I want you to know intimacy releases fruitfulness, right? <laughs> yeah, there they are. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so baptism in the Holy Spirit, absolutely essential. And, you know, it was through that whole experience that, again, I, I knew about my union with Jesus. I knew he lived in me. I knew the Holy Spirit was teaching me. But I fell back into religion. I fell back into trying to be more spiritual through, through a whole a series of events that's not important. But what you need to know is the Lord led us to the vineyard. And uh, through a bunch of serendipitous things, we ended up going to Palm Springs and Happy had on his three-piece suit. I had on my, my skirt that came down to my ankles because that was the only thing that was uh, proper and modest. I mean, I didn't take my head covering, but we were wearing head coverings back then. And we walked in, we're like, what? Everybody's in Hawaiian shirts and shorts. <laughs> but the most important thing, I witnessed real intimacy. I witnessed grown men on their knees, tears streaming, singing not about God, but to God. And it was there that I learned one of the most important lessons in true intimacy, and that is, oh my goodness, it was much more important to be real than right. And that's kind of scary. I'm not saying, you know, Right theology isn't important, but Happy and I had gotten so religious trying to be right about communion and baptism and clothing and parenting, like we pretty much hated everybody else in town and we were the only ones. <laughs> no, it was sick, but I want you to know when you're hungry and God lives inside of you and you respond to those nudges of the Holy Spirit, I learned I could stop trying to fake it with God. Like, how stupid is that? like trying to act joyful and, and full of faith when I wasn't. I mean, do you think he didn't know? But so much of religion does that, right? We're like actors on a stage, you know? And I learned through the vineyard, I could just pour out my heart. And my intimacy with God skyrocketed. Why? Because I learned I can love him because he first loved me. See, I was trying so hard to love him, do everything right, believe everything right. And it was like, no, it's more important to be real than right. And that was, has been, continues to be still one of the most important lessons in walking intimately with God. Of course, he knows, but you know what? We forget that he knows. Uh, no, we love because he first loved us. Okay, second lesson, and I think I've only got about four minutes, so I'll, I'm fine. Okay, okay. so the first lesson, more important to be real than right, okay, and open up your heart to him. Now, secondly, his love is unfailing, we are not. Now, I have had an incredible fear of failure. It's like part of my personality, okay? And... Uh, in 1985, we went to visit a prophetic man named Bob Jones. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Bob Jones, but he, 
He since died, but um, I don't remember a lot of things spoken to me prophetically, but he looked at me and he said, Diane, you are not going to be God's first failure. (laughs) Now you have to think about that for a minute. But I want to say to each of you, you are not going to be God's first failure. That will make your intimacy, your friendship with him blossom. He's got this. He's a good father. He, (laughs) you know, read the Bible. He's He's really used to failure. Okay? He's used to kids blowing it over and over again. Okay? I mean, not that we want to. That's not an excuse for disobedience. But what I want you to know is failure doesn't, failure doesn't scare God. It's an opportunity for him to teach us. Now, we can let it thwart intimacy because we try to hide from him. Or, you know, we're so beat down by our failure. And I've had a lot of experience, but he is for me. As you've been all learning, he's for you. He's for you. He's for you, okay? Um, And it's not easy for some of us. I mean, again, depending on your background, my father, uh, German, very strict, you know, not demonstrative. And you transfer that to God. Thankfully, what does the Holy Spirit do? Galatians and Romans both tell us he cries out, Daddy, Daddy. You see, the Holy Spirit within us, he deals with all the father issues. And by the way, people who emphasize over and over again, well, you got to get all your father issues straightened out. I'm all about, like, forgiving and, and that. Get it all figured out. No, I want you to know Jesus said he is the way to the Father. Nobody comes to the Father but by him. We don't need a perfect relationship with our earthly father as much as we might want that. Okay. So... It does take time, though. And this revelation of God's, you know, God's love is so different from human love. <laughs> I'll just tell you this quick, quick story. So um, when I was in Vineyard um, uh, Leadership Institute, we had a professor. He was really a cool guy. And he was all about the Old Testament. But I, I was in a particularly... Uh, downtime in my life. I felt like such a failure. I felt like a failure as a mother. I felt like a failure as a pastor. I felt like just a failure as an evangelist, like, you know, leading our church and, and all of that. I felt like a failure. And he, he spoke one day on a phrase that you read over and over again in the Old Testament, the steadfast love of God or the unfailing love of God. Um, and he said, this is a Hebrew word, hesed. Of course, I'm not pronouncing it right, but hesed. He said, what you need to know, this is loyal love, deeply caring for you, 100% committed to you, knows you inside and out. There's not even a word in the English language or any language that we can translate this. This describes the love of God. Something hit me. God's love never fails. What am I worried about? And I speak that over you today, a fresh impartation of God's unfailing love. Unfailing love. Now, I'm going to skip the next one, but this is an important one because I want to get to the last lesson quickly. Suffering and pain are huge, huge thieves of intimacy. Because it causes us to question God. 
Where is he? If he's good, if he's all-powerful, why isn't he doing something? I want to tell you, when that happens, he will be faithful. Maybe not to answer every question. He will be faithful. He will be a faithful friend. And you, down the road, can look back over your shoulder, and you can see the redemption. Maybe it doesn't look like what you wanted it to, but you can be assured, and that intimacy can be restored. You see, his love never fails. We do. We suffer pain. We suffer. And I want you to know we have a faithful high priest. You know, don't you just love it? Jesus experienced every temptation, every pain, all the shame. He, he bore it all. He gets it. He understands. Okay. I've seen it over and over and over again. I mean, the biggest problem is we don't want to let go of control. Okay, we sing, oh, I surrender all. Well, surrender doesn't mean you surrender your chocolate chip cookies or you surrender, you know, whatever, you know, your <laughs> indulgences. Usually it just means you surrender control. Why? So that you trust him more. And that friendship and that intimacy grows. Okay, lastly, and you've already had this lesson for the last, like, 20 weeks, but <laughs> it is this whole revelation of the gospel of grace, and that you're already in union with God. You're not trying to get there, and that's, uh, that's actually Catholic theology. Like, this level, that level, try this, get deeper, get higher. No, you're already in union with God. He's in you. He's not going anywhere. He loves you with an unfailing love. Okay, in 2012, uh, Hap, or 2011, Hap gets a call from a man named Todd White. Anybody heard of Todd White? Okay. And we'd never heard of him. Our boys had heard of him uh, through different things. And he said, I'm supposed to come to the Urbana Vineyard. And I go, okay, I Google him. I look. Hap, that dude is not coming to our church. Okay, dreads, you know, anyway. He calls Hap six times. He said, no, God told me I'm supposed to be there. So finally we're like, okay, first week in January in central Illinois, it's Guaranteed to be sub-zero weather, snow on the ground, nobody will come, all the students are gone, right? Great. So he comes. He walks in and he says, God has sent me to unleash a revival. And I'm like, no, I don't want a revival. <laughs> no, I did. Why? Because that's like, got to be honest. Did you think I would fool God if I went, yay, when in my heart, I'm like, no, I don't want revival. That means late nights. That means a lot of broken people. That means a lot of weird stuff. I've lived through four revivals, okay? I didn't want a revival. <laughs> and then he goes, I'm releasing a revival of righteousness. I'm like, what in the world? Well, I had no idea. None of us had any idea. Now, you know, nine years later, what it was was a revelation that Jesus became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ, that our identity is a holy, beloved son or daughter, clean in his eyes. I want you to know my intimacy with God went to a whole new level. Why? I didn't I have transformation that still needed to happen? Oh, yeah, but I, saw, I knew how he saw me. Why? Because of who Jesus is and what Jesus had done. And so that ended up transforming our church, birthing the School of Kingdom Ministry, and a whole bunch of other things. But I leave you, you know, with a text that you've read many times, but I love it in the Passion Translation. 
Galatians 2.20, my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered, not by my own faith, by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much. He gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. I stopped all that harmful introspection. I stopped all that self-flagellation. I stopped it all. I began to delight in the presence of the Lord moment by moment. On uh, Friday, uh, I baked cookies with the Lord. We went biking with the Lord. Oh, yeah, I read my Bible with the Lord. But just living in union with him so that fruitfulness can stream. And again, I'm still learning. I still have failure. I still have mistakes. But I'm learning to live in the grace of one day. One day. Okay? Too many of us are future tripping. You're already thinking about where you're going to eat lunch. And then you're worrying about tomorrow. And if you're not doing that, you're regretting yesterday. Can I invite you to live in the grace, God's empowering presence, the grace of one day, one day, and watch the fruitfulness stream, watch the friendship grow, watch the intimacy with God come to a whole new level. Yes, I bless you as you learn new truth, as you trust him in new ways, as you're okay with his timing, and you agree to a tenacious and faithful obedience to all that he says, and you do it together, and you will grow in your friendship with the living God. So, Father, I thank you that you will take something that's been said today for each person, Lord. May it be that living bread. May it be that which nourishes them. May it be that which waters and tends those roots that have gone down deep into the soil of your love, Lord, that it can bear fruit of the union that we have with you in Jesus. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.